Uh, about, I don't know, eight to 10 months ago, we began planning this weekend and we decided that we would, uh, the mission committee would uh, emphasize the fact that we have ministry partners that are all around the world. There are some who are seeking to, I would call it do mission work, which is cross-cultural and going where there really aren't too many people who share the word. There's not a near neighbor telling them about Christ. We have many partners that are doing that kind of work. As you can see over the years, the number of different places around the world we have partnered. But this year we've decided to recognize that we also need to see the gospel go forth here on Long Island and emphasize various ministry partnerships uh, that God has raised up over the years. And so today we have the privilege of hearing from the ministry of what God is doing through Youth for Christ. And so our speaker today is Clay Williams. Um, I don't know much about him. I've just met him for the first time today. And uh, he comes to us highly recommended. He was born in Flushing, Queens, but more importantly, he's been born again by the power of the Holy Spirit and is ministering and serving as the campus life director on the South Shore in Nassau County, mostly, or? Yes, yes in Nassau County. And we appreciate you coming, uh, Clay. We appreciate you coming and share the word with us. We thank you very much. Let's welcome him warmly today, will you? <laughs> that was great. That was awesome. Man, I am so excited to come and speak to you guys today. Um, I've, I've just noticed that there are so many things the churches have in common. As, as many uh, things that divide us, uh, there, there, are, there are just as many things that bring us together. Uh, I think probably one of the most important things that uh, brings the church together is, is that, that djembe. I think literally every church I've been to has a djembe. I bet you thought I was going to say love of Jesus, but <laughs> yeah. As you can tell, I work with young people, so I like to have some fun. Um, yeah, man, this is such a privilege. Uh, I really want to start out by affirming your church. Um, I was going through the bulletin, and, I, and I, I'm looking at the highlights, highlighting, you know, person of the week and this and that. I was just like, wow, this church really encourages their members. I wonder what the church would look like if every Sunday the congregation was encouraged by the church. So I just say thank you guys for, for doing that for one another um, and really being a godly community. Um, that was you know, it might seem like it's a small thing, but to me that, that, that's really big and that says a lot about your heart as a church. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's get into it. Um, so yeah, my name is Clay, uh, Claremont Allen Williams IV. Uh, that is a family name if I've ever heard one. Uh, I am not married yet, uh, but you know, my girlfriend and I are talking about that. Uh, if I have a son, I feel bad for him. He will be the fifth. There is no option. Uh, you don't get to the fourth and just go, eh, Charles. Like, you, you can't do that. You got you to go for it, right? Uh, man, I grew up in Flushing, Queens. Um, grew up single-parent home. Uh, you know, to say the least, there's some turmoil uh, there, I did not grow up in the church at all. As a matter of fact, I grew up 
as a Unitarian Universalist. Brownie points for whoever can tell me what that is. Who knows what a Unitarian Universalist is? Have you ever heard of it? Thank the Lord God Almighty. Oh, you, you have? You heard of it, yeah. It means nothing. Um, <laughs> it means absolutely nothing. No, the, the idea behind Unitarian Universalism is that everybody is right. It doesn't matter what you believe. Um, everyone's right, which makes literally no sense. But hey, um, that's the church at church. I grew up. Uh, I grew up in. I remember when I decided to leave the church. I had just come to Christ at the age of 19, and I'll share with you uh, my story a little later on. Uh, and I decided to walk out of that church because I, I had these questions about God. Now, right? I accepted. I accepted Christ, but my family and my my community was all at this Unitarian church. And I wanted to learn more about Jesus. And the minister, minister, um, there was an atheist. So I didn't think I was going to get the answers I was looking for there. So I promptly left that place. Um, best decision since accepting Christ. Um, yeah, uh, yeah I, came, I came to Christ when I was 19. Uh, soon after, I, I got very involved in the youth ministry. Um, I got saved through a youth ministry, um, which I guess, spoiler alert, that's why I do youth ministry now. Um, yeah, and, and since then, I mean, I, I'm 29 now. I was 19 when I got saved, and the Lord has taken me to some incredible places. I, when I was 19, if, if, if I saw me standing up here speaking to you, I would not have believed it. Um, I would have thought someone was playing a trick. Uh, when I came to Christ, I remember I told a, a friend from high school that I, that I placed my faith in Jesus and I'm a Christian. And his response was, wow, that's like Hitler coming to the Jewish Day Parade. I guess I was pretty bad in high school. That was rough, man. Um, but praise God, praise God. I don't think I was that bad in high school, but definitely was not anywhere near being a Christian. Um, my story, how I, how I came to faith in Jesus, it, is, it revolves around relationships. And that's what I want to talk to you guys about uh, today. Um, I want to start off with this statement, and you can take it and you can run with it, but uh, relationships are your best evangelism tool. As someone who has been a full-time ministry been in full-time ministry, um, I have been a long-term missionary. I can tell you firsthand that relationships are key. I can tell you that, look, coming from New York City, no one owns a car, right? Well, it seems like everyone owns a car but can't really drive it. Uh, but most people take public transportation. And every now and again, you have someone who wanders onto the bus or the train and uh, feels the need to condemn everybody on that bus or train and tell them how much they need Jesus. While that may be true, I don't know if the heart uh, is in the right place. Um, I have never seen anyone come to faith in Christ uh, by being told they're going to hell um, and that they are all sinners. Um, while that might be true, if you are a sinner, you do not uh, come to faith in Christ. Um, the Bible is very clear on the ramifications of that. But man, what a responsibility we have. What a responsibility we have to share the gospel 
but do it with the right heart. I look to Jesus um, as the prime example of the right heart. And so we dive into the scripture. Uh, We read the woman at the well. Who has never heard of the story of the woman at the well? That's a trick question. Don't raise your hand. If If one of you didn't, don't. Don't worry, it's cool. We'll just pretend like you did. Um, it is such a wonderful story, right? It is such a good story. Jesus meeting this woman where she is at and profoundly changing her life. So we want to model him. We want to model Jesus in all that we do, especially when it comes to minister, ministry and ministering to others. Um, my role with Youth for Christ, man, like you've heard, I am the, the director of the South Shore. Uh, in a bit, um, after the actually, do we have that video queued up? Because it would be way easier to show you this video than to try and explain what Youth for Christ is. So I'm going to take a moment and let you guys watch this video. So that's Youth for Christ in a nutshell. Uh, you heard about Campus Life as one of our ministries, one of our outreach ministries. Everything that we do with Youth for Christ is focused on outreach, reaching lost young people with the gospel. My role uh, is that of a Campus Life director. Campus Life um, kind of looks like your youth group that you might have here, uh, but it is very focused on being non 
Christian friendly. Uh, we, are, we work closely with our Christian students to empower them to reach their non-believing friends in high school and middle school. And I get the privilege of overseeing that mission on the South Shore of Long Island. So that's just a little bit about me. Um, just so now we're, now we're like best friends and everything, right? Um, because we're interested in building relationships, and that's what I'm here to talk about. So my goal, here's my goal for uh, this conversation. Um, my hope after this morning is that you leave not only understanding um, and knowing more about the work of Long Island Youth for Christ, but you leave here today energized and excited to pursue Christ-centered uh, relationships with lost people wherever you're at. Um, I specialize in youth ministry, but believe me, uh, these principles and the things I'm talking about um, you can take with you into the workforce, you can take with you to your neighbors, you can take with you to your friends. Um, it's applicable across the board. So, the first thing I want to, to make clear is that your calling comes before your comfort. Remember, again, your calling comes before your comfort. In verse 4, in verse 4, it says, Now he had to go through Samaria. Right? Uh, continues on. He had to go through Samaria, talking about Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called, I hear, Sitcher, Sychar, decide for yourself, uh, near the plot of ground uh, Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So, I want to make something very clear here. As someone who has been a missionary, I want to tell you all, if you have professed your faith in Jesus Christ, uh, your calling is that of a ministry. The end of Matthew makes that very clear. Um, we are called to go and make disciples of all nations. Right? If you're wondering, if you're like going off to college, like, what am I going to do with my life? What is my purpose? Your purpose is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and to lead people to Jesus. That is your calling, right? So that kind of supersedes everything. Um, it supersedes social barriers. It supersedes race. Uh, it supersedes cultural differences. You see... I'm sure because you've heard this story, and I've heard this story a thousand times, uh, Jesus had had to go through Samaria. Well, we know that Jews and the Samaritans really didn't get along, right? The Samaritans, like, they were mixed blood, and the, the Jews didn't get along with Samaritans. So, so Jews would take the long route of, you know, around Samaria just to not interact with Samaritans. Listen, I understand differences and not wanting to talk to people 
but sometimes you just want to be lazy and not go the long route. Like I, but, but that's not why Jesus did that. Jesus had a divine appointment with a woman. And Jesus did not care about the color of her skin or her cultural background. God bless you. Um, so we see that, we see that in, ver- in uh, verse 4 that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Right there we already see that his calling superseded his, his comfort. Um, back in about 2013, uh, I was called to go to an odd place. I was called to go to India. Uh, and I spent uh, three, three months uh, in India. I felt called to go. I had went with my church um, a few times prior, uh, just short-term mission trips. Um, and, I, and I was asking God, I said, all right, well, Lord, why would you send me to this place? And now, well, why would you send me to this place twice to, for two weeks at a clip? Um, and, like, what, what, what is the purpose of that? Because I'll tell you this from being there, like, Short-term missions are incredibly important. The work that you do as a short-term missionary is very important. But the need is long-term missionaries. And so I asked the Lord, and uh, sometimes you get answers from God that you kind of wish you didn't. And uh, I was... I felt called, and I knew that would mean I'd have to quit my job. And this is before I worked with Youth for Christ. Um, I had to quit my job, uh, pick up, and move out there for three months. I said, what am I? What am I doing? It was a very uncomfortable place. Uh, India's not America's real nice, right? Like it smells great. <laughs> India. Not so much. Uh, the pollution, everything. Uh, it, it, it's a tough. It's a tough place to be. Uh, not to mention the persecution that goes on there. Uh, there's Youth for Christ uh, in 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 India, um, and they. I had the opportunity to sit with them and, and talk with them about some of the things that they face, and they would share with me stories of persecution. Uh, people tried to beat them up. Um, uh, people tried to kill them. Uh, you know, there's horror stories of, um, you know, attempted rapes. Um, it's a really, really difficult place to go and do ministry. But I was called. Uh, and that had to go uh, above my comfort level. And I'm so thankful uh, that I listened. Um, yeah. So your calling will inevitably call you to some very uncomfortable places. Let's talk about barriers here. On top of Jesus being tired, like, I don't want to do anything when I'm tired. Like, I let my girlfriend know. I'm like, hey, listen, I can't be responsible for the things that come out of my mouth when I'm tired. But, uh, but Jesus was already tired. And, but he had to be in this place um, some of the barriers, like I said, there were racial differences uh, in Samaria. That is not unlike what we see here today in our own country, right? We can, we can relate to this 
firsthand some of the cultural differences. I mean, the division in our country right now is absolutely ridiculous. Um, we experience Samaria all the time. The KKK is still around. Nazis came back. That was new. Um, that, how does that still happen in our country? If we are called to, to be people who unite and called to love people, how is this, this still a thing? Um, I was inspired this morning. I woke up. Um, I did what every good Christian does. I went straight to YouTube. Um, and, and, and then I saw this viral video. There was a protest uh, a few days ago. Uh, there was a, uh, a white supremacist who was holding a rally, and uh, some counter-protesters wanted to uh, protest. And there was one young man, and uh, clearly uh, a Nazi. Uh, he had swastikas all over, tattooed all over his body. And the counter-protesters uh, met his hate with more hate. Uh, and you can see in the video that they are punching this man and spewing that hatred right back at him. And this African-American gentleman comes over. And he's a coach, uh, mid-30s looking. Uh, I'd be well, witting, willing to bet the house and kids that he is a believer in Jesus. And he walks over to this man, this Nazi, this black man walks over to this Nazi and embraces him in a hug. Of course, like, the young gentleman did not budge. Then the coach says, why don't you like me? Silent. And so he hugs him again. Why don't you like me? Silent. So he hugs him again, and on this third hug, you see it happen. His demeanor changed. He embraced this black man. And he said, I don't know. That is important. That is truth. He does not know why he hates this man, but he just hates. Shows you how powerful hate is, but shows you that love is far more powerful than hate. I would love to have been there for whatever conversation followed, but that was just such a beautiful depiction of really how God even looks at us. We sin against God. God continuously forgives us, even to the cross. Um, you, can't, you can't be a follower of Jesus and not have love for even your enemies. You can't be a follower of Jesus and not have love for your neighbor. We, under, we need to understand the stakes here, and they're, they're important. We're talking about eternity. We can't take it lightly. Our calling, our calling has to supersede our comfort. We have to go to those difficult places to reach people with the gospel. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. I hope you are encouraged. I hope you are encouraged to go out from this place and love someone. So let's continue on. Okay. Uh, just a quote. I don't know if you ever heard of, of Toby Mac. Heard of Toby Mac? I'm, like, going to name drop because I'm cool. Um, <laughs> so, B. Haley, Toby Mac's drummer. I was hanging out with him because, you know, we're homies or whatever. <laughs> uh, we were hanging out, 
uh, doing some awesome stuff, some ministry out on the island. And, uh, and he said something. Uh, he said, you know, God didn't create us different. We don't have all these different races and differences um, to divide us. We have these differences to complete a picture, right? To complete a puzzle. If we're all made in the image of, of God, why are there different races? I think God created us differently so we can come together to complete that, um, that beautiful picture. So, Jesus engages this Samaritan woman. Um, it's important to note uh, that this woman meets on meets Jesus that this man meet that Jesus meets this woman on common ground. They meet at at um, Jacob's well, right? It's really important when we are thinking about uh, evangelism. We're thinking about um, you know I really want to to share the gospel with that person, but I, I don't know how. Guess what? You're a human. I'm a human. There are definitely similarities with whoever you talk to. Start off by meeting on common ground, whatever that is. I mean, I was born and raised in New York, so if you are a Boston Celtics fan, there's not a lot of common ground that we have. Uh, but we could talk basketball, I guess. No, but, but you know what I mean. Like, find the common ground. Because um, that's important, because you're not supposed to pose a, a threat. Yeah, the, the gospel is very... Uh, it seems like a narrow road. Um, and the gospel is really offensive. It says this, not anything else, but this is 100% the truth. So it can be offensive to some, but, but I think if we start off meeting at a common place, uh, we'd be more willing to hear from one another. Um, yeah, uh, so... Uh, I'll tell you a story of common ground. My first time in church. 19 years old, broad-eyed and bushy-tailed young man, a lot skinnier. Um, uh, I go to church. My, my friend invites me to church. I didn't know this at the time, but uh, her church was an all-Taiwanese church. The only other black thing in that church was the microphone. Uh, <laughs> so... Uh, but growing up in Flushing, Queens, it's a very uh, Asian neighborhood. Um, it, like, I, you have Chinatown and you have Flushing, and it's, they're the exact same thing. Um, and, but that's where I grew up. The problem is, growing up in that place, there, there, there was a huge racial divide. I would walk into a store and I would be followed simply based on the color of my skin. I was not really a bad kid. I wasn't out there doing anything crazy, but... Um, I would be followed, and so I, I show up in this church, and, and I'm just like, this is definitely, uh, there's going to be some conflict here, right? I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to feel comfortable in this place, and so on the first night we're there, it was an outreach night, uh, uh, there was a drum set in the corner of the room, and the youth pastor comes over to me and says, hey, I heard you, I heard you play the drums, which I did, and I was like, yeah, I do, he's like, you want to you go play play that drum set, I really, it was like a really nice drum set. Like, I, I was eyeing it. I didn't pay attention to whatever he was saying. Like, I was just eyeing the drum set the whole night. I was like, absolutely. I had my buddy from high school with me as well. He said, you guys go up and you play, play anything you want. 
I said, okay. Uh, in high school, I was really into like heavy metal, right? I, I know I wouldn't, you wouldn't guess that off the bat, but I was really into heavy metal. Um, and I thought it would be funny uh, to play a song with my friend. It was a heavy metal song. It was called Unholy Confessions. Uh, that's just what came to mind. Uh, and so we went up and, and we played this song and um, I was like, I, I, after we finished, I was like, oh no, like what did we just do? Uh, and the pastor comes over and I'm like, oh, it's about to go down. And he goes, that was incredible. What? He was like, no, you're like really good at the drums. He goes, as a matter of fact, I'm a drummer. He goes, oh, why don't you come back smooth, right? Why don't you come back next week? And like, I'll teach you some stuff. Of course, the first song he taught me was Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2, because he's like, you need to get all that nonsense out your brain. Um, and and, and we, we bonded. We, we formed a relationship. He met me on common ground. My, my walls came crumbling down because I was like, oh, wait, we speak the same language here, right? Be willing to bet that the people that are in your circle or, or out, just outside of your circle, I'd be willing to bet that you have a lot more in common than you think. And those are always great places to start. Um, To be relational with people, we have to be intentional. And to be intentional, we have to be humble. Jesus asks this woman at the well for some water. Jesus didn't have his own cup, right? So he'd have to use the Samaritan woman's cup. You would put your Jewish lips to my Samaritan cup. Now, let's break it down even more. This woman, this woman was there at noon. Brownie points. Why was she there at noon? Who knows the story? So no one else would, right? I'm willing to bet she felt some shame, right? Because we know how this story kind of unravels, right? Uh, you know, it's the Middle East. Like, nobody's going outside to go carry some water in the middle of the day. Like, it is super hot. So everyone else, your social groups, the other women, they would go later on in the evening when it was cooler, right? That's where they socialized. But this woman was by herself. I'm willing to bet she had a bit of a reputation in that neighborhood, right? So here comes Jesus, this Jewish man, and, and, and the Samaritans, just like... You know, just like me, I felt these Taiwanese people, they think that they're better than me. Jesus asks her for, for a drink of water. Uh, she might have seen Jesus coming and just been like, that Jewish guy thinks he's better than me. Nope. I mean, he is. Don't get me wrong. That's God. Don't, don't get it twisted. Um, but, but he humbled himself to meet with this woman. Uh, Jesus, I like to say, is the king of, like, go hard or go home. Um, when he does something, he does it all the way. He doesn't really care about what people will think of him. If it is right, if it is pleasing to the Father, he does it. And, and that's what Jesus did in this example. So... You know what's interesting? Do you know how this woman knew that Jesus was Jewish? 
So, again, I'm sorry. I do youth ministry. So it's a lot of, like, back and forth. Like, I ask the audience questions. Like, feel free. You can, you can shout it out. Uh, how did this woman know that Jesus was Jewish? Okay, yeah, for sure. He was, in other words, he was noticeably Jewish. Noticeably Jewish. He did not change who he was to bring this woman the gospel. Right? He did not compromise on God's word to bring this woman the gospel. I want to make this very clear. As you go and you pursue relationships with other people in order to win them over for Christ, we have to have grace we have to have humility, but we have to stand firm on the word of God. Do not compromise on who God says you are and what God tells you to do. He was noticeably Jewish, but that did not mean, that did not mean he acted out of a place of legalism. That did not mean he acted out of a place of judgment. This entire conversation he has is with this woman. Now, he knows the truth, and he calls the truth out when he sees it, but I can't see any judgment of this woman. So, um, we have to earn the right to speak truth in someone's life. Yes, there will be times where you'll be prompted by the Spirit to, to call things out as you see them. But in the interest of building relationships, we have to earn the right to tell people about, not to tell people about Jesus, but, but to even suggest, follow him. One of the things I learned in India, uh, there's a large Muslim population in India, of course. Uh, but what I learned, even in the Hindu population, I was, I was in the slums of New Delhi, uh, and we were with a whole lot of Hindu folks um, and Muslims. And one of the things I learned is that when you, when you ask someone to give their life to Jesus, you are asking them to give up their friendships, their communities. Their communities will absolutely shun them, right? You, you, you can't just ask that of somebody, without, especially without knowing them. You have to build that relationship. You have to earn that right to speak that truth. And we see that Jesus is actually kind of funny. It's not funny. It's funny. Um, <laughs> when we think about like evangelizing to people, like we go to all these seminars, all this training, what are the right things to say? Like Jesus had it easy. He was just like, yeah, I'm that guy. I'm Jesus. That guy you're talking about, that's me. That's it. That's his gospel presentation. Me. Um, we don't have it that easy. Um, but it's a lot easier than you think. Uh, when you are a Christian, when you... When you have placed your faith in Jesus, your life looks very different. Um, and people will perceive that. Uh, when I worked in the secular world, uh, for some reason, and I, listen, I wasn't out there every day. I worked at a gym because, again, I was way more physically fit than I am now. Uh, I worked at a gym, and I wasn't out there, like, doing reps for Jesus and just, like, trying to evangelize everyone. Now, you know what? You know what would, like, get you more, like, pumped if you just believed in Jesus, man? Like, that wasn't, that wasn't it. But my life certainly did speak to a creator. Um, and people had their troubles and their issues. For some reason, they come to the Christian guy. Even though, like, they want nothing to do with Christianity, they always find the Christian guy. Hey, man, like, I'm going through, like, this divorce with my wife. What do you think? Well, Jesus, man, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Well, what'd you come to me 
for? Should have gone to someone else. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm actually remembering that conversation right now. Um, it was it was it was intense. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, you have to just about being who you are by loving people um, in a Christ-like manner with Christ at the center of your heart, uh, these relationships come naturally. They can. Don't fight it. Like, don't overthink it. Just be a Christian in relationship with non-Christians. Love them well. Jesus loved non-believers very well. We follow Jesus. Don't be afraid of building relationships with people. Your relationship is your greatest uh, evangelism tool. Uh, so go on. So Jesus speaks the truth to her situation, right? And he's like slick with it. He was, he was like, "Go get your husband," and she was like, uh, "I don't have one." He's like, "Got that right." Um, <laughs> let me tell you something, sister. Um, but he didn't do it in a shameful way. He didn't. He didn't shame her, right? Think about it. this woman probably had no friends, right? The women in her community definitely shunned her. Didn't want anything to do with her. The men in her community probably only looked at her as an object, right? Or they were married and like just didn't want to be like around that woman because they'd get in trouble with their wives or whatever. She's there at noon, right, in the blazing heat, and no one else is around. Like she didn't have. She probably didn't have a large friend group. Um, yeah, she probably had a reputation around town, much like a lot of our non-believing friends, right? Those that we don't want to talk to, don't want to interact with because, ooh, they're, they do that in their spare time or they do this and I don't, I don't want to associate myself because I'm a Christian and I am cleansed by, like, as if they're lepers. Um, so, but Jesus is taking the time to speak to her issues. Doesn't attack her, but he speaks to her issues. He meets her on common ground. Uh, he elevated her by humbling himself. Uh, he engaged her as a person with dignity, uh, and he took the time to speak truth in her life. I wonder who else was speaking truth into her life, at least in a loving way. No one. Um, and then, after all that, after he does all those things, then he shares with her the gospel. Again, the it's me part, the easiest gospel message ever. Um, he shares with her the gospel after he formed that relationship. Now, Jesus does relationships perfect. It takes us a lot longer than one conversation. Sometimes, sometimes some of y'all are anointed. Like, I've seen one, my, my, uh, my lead volunteer, uh, she, she just loves, loves, loves sharing the gospel with people. And I've seen her speak so much truth into people's lives in, in a matter of minutes. Um, but it doesn't always... It's not always like that. My family is not saved. Um, aside from my father, um, who I didn't find out he was saved until like a few months ago. Um, no one else in my family is a believer. I'm trying, right? It's not coming that easy. 
by faith one day. Um, so, Jesus is God, and yet he earned the right to share the gospel with this woman. Um, like I said, your strongest gospel presentation is your friendship with others. Now, all this stuff that I'm telling you, what does that have to do with Youth for Christ? I want to share with you a story. First, I want to share with you our mission statement. Youth for Christ reaches young people everywhere working together with the local church and other like-minded partners to raise up lifelong followers of Jesus who lead by their godliness and lifestyle, devotion to the word of God and prayer, passion for sharing the love of Christ, and commitment to social involvement. Uh, All over the island, uh, Youth for Christ is working hard to go to those hard places in order to reach students with the gospel. We believe that providing safe environments for students uh, to build healthy community with their peers, adult staff, uh, and volunteers allows for Christ-sharing relationships to develop. We provide these environments through a variety of mini- uh, ministries, like what you saw. We have you know, YFC Corps, which goes into the schools. We are in a- over 50 schools out on the island. Um, we have our campus life ministry sites um, that are just continuing to grow. Um, those are the avenues in which we, we seek to build relationship with young people in order to share with them the truth of who Jesus Christ is. So now I want to share with you a story about a young woman. Uh, one of my high school students, uh, she's currently part of our, our campus life, uh, for uh, the protection of her identity, I will refer to her as Jenny. Um, if I like change the name midway through the story, just that's not her real name. Like if I don't mess, I'm telling you, I told this story before to some, to some friends. I was like, I'm going to use like a different name. And then like halfway through, like I accidentally said her name awful. Um, but there's grace. Um, two years ago, Jenny showed up, uh, to our Friday night campus life. Her aunt heard about, uh, our group from a local church announcement, uh, and knew this was something Jenny needed to be a part of. From our first conversation, I can sense that there was something odd about Jenny. While she loved to talk, she was a very guarded individual. She had a really hard shell. It's hard to, to even talk to her. She would go off on tangents, and but you can tell it was a way to, def- to deflect. Um, it was almost like there was something she wanted to say, but she couldn't. Now, I've been doing youth ministry for the better part of the last 10 years, and at this point, pain is something I can almost physically see in young people's eyes. Uh, and this girl, Jenny, had plenty of it. Uh, Jenny also craved the attention of some of the older boys in our group. As anyone who has been doing youth ministry for a while would tell you that this is a red flag, uh, and that these red flags should be paid attention to. As the months went on, Jenny would grow to refer to me as her big brother and Janice, who is my lead volunteer, who will share the gospel with a kitten. Um, uh, refer, she, Jenny refers to, to Janice as her mother. While that's sweet, another red flag. You know, while we love building deep Christ-sharing relationships with our students, we know that many of our students come from broken homes, like I did. Uh, and will often look to us as the family they should have had. One day after I shared my, my story, I shared my testimony with our group. I shared the story of my past hurts 
uh, and brokenness in my own family, uh, it finally happened. Jenny asked to speak with me. Uh, we sat together with two volunteers in the hallway as the kids were running around out to group, and she uh, proceeded to inform me that her father had been sexually abusing her since she was a child. Not only that, but her mother beat her when she shared this information with her. Hmm. No amount of school or training can prepare you for those moments. In those moments, we truly need to rely on the direction from the Holy Spirit. Uh, after reassuring Jenny that the evil things that her father did to her were not her fault, and God's heart is broken too, we prayed. Uh, it is Long Island Youth for Christ policy that I am a mandatory reporter. Um, that means that I had to call Child Protective Services. Uh, and I opened up a case on her father. Praise the Lord that uh, her father is no longer in her life. That's, that's an odd Thank God her dad is not in her life. What a world we live in. Um, but she's safe. She's safe now. The next day, Janice and I took Jenny out for coffee because I had to let her know that I had to share this information with the proper authorities. I explained that it was my number one priority that she was safe, and I let her know that we would go through this together. Um, I also explained to her that she has a lot of pain that she carries around with her wherever she goes, and that only Jesus could carry that load. That night in that Starbucks, Jenny gave her life to Jesus. Not only did Jenny give her life to Jesus that night, God has been using her ever since um, to do incredible things for the kingdom. Uh, Jenny has been bringing her friends to campus life uh, and to church as well. Uh, I'll tell you another story. God used Jenny to let me know about one of her friends who was struggling with same-sex attraction. Um, that, is, that is something that I feel that the church as a whole is having a difficult time navigating. Um, even more so in this young girl's house. Uh, because she wanted to take her life that night. Because her father's alcoholism and his legalism combined met her struggle with shame and spite. That very night, Jenny, her aunt, who had originally invited her to our campus life, and myself went to her friend's house to inform uh, her family. Again, legally, I have to go and do this to inform her family that she expressed wanting to commit suicide that night. And in front of her friend, who is incredibly upset with Jenny uh, for telling us all of this, um, uh, Jenny stands up and says something I'll never forget. She said, I don't care if you hate me forever, you're my friend, I love you, and I don't want you to hurt yourself. And guess what? Since that night, uh, Jenny, and this is, this is over a year ago, uh, Jenny's friend has been coming to our campus life every week and has been attending our weekly Bible study. Because we had that relationship with Jenny, she felt safe to bear her hurt, her burdens. She was not met with shame. She was met with love. She was met with the truth of how much Jesus loves her. I can't, can't fix her problems. 
I'm a guy, I like to fix things. My girlfriend is always like, stop, just, just listen. Just stop trying to fix it and just listen. I'm like, but babe, if you just do this, like, it's like, you're such a guy. Um, I can't fix, I can't fix it. All, all I can do in those situations is be a friend, be an ear, be genuine with Jenny. Um, God will, God does all the work. We just get to participate in it. I say, don't fight that. Don't fight that calling. You are all missionaries. Yes, some of us are professional missionaries, and we are called onto the mission field, but your mission field are those who are around you. You don't have to be a theologian to present the gospel. You just have to represent God. You have to be love in people's lives, and that's what we do at Long Island Youth for Christ. Our heart, our heart, is to form genuine relationships with these young people and share the truth of Jesus Christ with them. We believe that through this, mo- through this movement, through this mission, the next generation, man, we live in such a postmodern world. We are told to question everything. I am a millennial. I like to like pretend like I'm not because I want to be like cooler like the generation before me. Um, but I am a millennial through and through, and this was the train of thought I came up in. And our kids, our our students, your your children, um, are being just bombarded with this type of mentality, this theology that nothing is truth. Question all things, but but God is God is the same as He was yesterday, the same He'll be tomorrow, the same He is today. But we're not supposed to question. We're supposed to question that. And so, as the church, we can often be afraid to go and have those conversations because we already start with the idea that they don't want to hear it because they've been taught this. They've been taught that uh, Christianity is, in pop culture, like the most uncool thing to be is a Christian. Um, but Jesus is not afraid of postmodernism, and neither should we. You know what's, what is above like the thought of a postmodern? If you're my friend and I love you, it doesn't matter what theological background you come from or what ideas you have, if you're an atheist or agnostic or you question it, it doesn't matter. What you will know is that I love you, and if, if you know that I love you and that I, I love you in truth, maybe you'll think about when I talk about Jesus and how Jesus has impacted my life. There's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to evangelism. You just keep doing you. You continue to live your life, but be intentional about the relationships that you keep. Love people well. Follow Jesus as an example. I, I've been doing this for a long time. Um, you know, you could look to me and say, well, Clay does it like this. Don't, don't. I'm not perfect. Your pastors aren't perfect. We'll be the first to tell you that. But all we want to do is tell you, to show you, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus' example. Let's stop overcomplicating it. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the best example. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is Lord. That is the first time. It's so funny. That is the first time I've gotten an amen 
<laughs> as an African-American, like, I did not go to, like, the black church. Amen. Preach on. I never, I never experienced it. I would go to a Chinese church, man. Um, we, they, that is not how they get down. Um, but I love them. Um, yeah, God calls you to uncomfortable places like a Chinese church when you're a black guy. But it's been amazing. I came to church in a Taiwanese I came to church. I came to Christ in a Taiwanese church. Look how God moves. When you say yes to God, he will do weird things, really weird things in your life. But, like, we weren't called to live a normal life. We're called to live a crazy, selfless life. We're called to impact the generations. Man, we have such a privilege, such a privilege to be part of God's ministry, to be used by God to affect eternity. So, what do you do from here on out? Well, go and make friends. Like, it's not that hard. But uh, if you want to learn more about the, the mission of Youth for Christ, if you want to get involved, right, we're always looking for volunteers. Like, please. Like, we, like, and, and like, ooh, I want to speak to this. Like, right, right now. If you feel that you are uh, so my father says, too seasoned uh, to be involved in youth ministry. There's a saying in New York City amongst youth, uh, you are tripping. Uh, you, you have got it all backwards. Uh, if you come to our campus life on the South Shore, you will see myself standing there as giant as I am, and you will see a beautiful elderly Italian woman named Janice, and she talks like this. I got to tell you, I love you. You can love the word. You got to stay in the word. And we look so weird together. But because we are focused on the mission, we are focused on the mission of reaching young people with the gospel, God uses our differences in the most amazing way. I look around this church, and I see all these different flags, these different nations. Like it just excites me because you guys get it. You get it. You get how important those differences are. You get how the more differences we have and the more we can live in harmony with one another, the more people we can reach. I'm Clay, the cool older brother. I don't know if I'm cool, man. Like, when, when a student tells you for the first time, like, man, you're like such a teacher. Like, it just hurts you on the inside. Because I wasn't about that. I didn't like my teachers in high school. And they're just like, stop being such a good teacher. I'm not cool anymore. I've accepted it. So if I'm not cool, you're not cool. It's cool. We can all be cool. We can all be not cool together. But you have value. You have value. This, this girl, Jenny, her mother beat her when she told her she was being molested by her father. You think Jenny doesn't need a mom? Janice is a mom. Janice takes the time out, takes her out, loves her the right way. You have value. You can impact young people. If you're super young, uh, if you're in high school or in, in, in middle school, how, how old are you? You're in high school now? Right? You can impact your high school. Listen, I, we can't go into high schools, right? But you can. You can be used by God in an amazing way in your school. I wish somebody in my high school spoke to me about Jesus. It would have saved me a lot of pain. I'm not just putting that on you. I'm just saying you have value to the kingdom. You and you, you guys have value to the kingdom. Don't think of yourself as less than, right? 
go with God. So, thank you all for letting me be up here and talk and be crazy, and I really appreciate it. You guys, I just, I just want to pray and, and ask God that he blesses you um, and encourage you guys to go out and live for the gospel in every aspect of your life. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for being such a good, good, good father. We thank you for sending Jesus on that cross to die for us when we do not deserve it. We thank you for being a God who is interested in building relationship with us when we don't deserve to be in a relationship with you. We thank you, Lord God, for empowering us to be on this mission field. I ask a blessing over this entire church, Lord God. Lord, take their heart um, that's so clear that they love one another so well, and God, just push it outside the walls of this church. God, let this church be a lamp to the darkness in this neighborhood. God, I pray that they, the people of the church remove that pressure from themselves to go out and say, people know that you are the one that saves, but we just have to be obedient to you, Lord God. God, we love you. You are so good. You are so gracious. God, thank you. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, we pray all this. Amen.